Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. We are back. We are back. I was just thinking, you do the same welcome every time, but I don't think I could have said how our podcast starts. Oh. That's very good that you do it. Oh. I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, I bet you could. Well, I just wouldn't remember what it is. Yeah. Well, tell you what. I'll take. I'll do the heavy lifting. I'll remember the first five words of the podcast, <laughs> okay. and then I'm going to throw some stuff over to you after okay. that, Matt. Okay. That sounds like a good deal. <laughs> How are you? Um, I'm. Yeah, pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. Good. Yeah, excited. Excited to be here. In some ways, the we are back does work because we are starting kind of a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> a new endeavor. <laughs> Whereas a new endeavor, well, you know, we've we've got a we've got a pattern and we're rolling with it now. So today's the day that you listeners get to to join us on this journey. Yeah, and if you haven't listened to our just stunningly recorded and <sighs> spoken preview episode, yeah, it was magic. If you could have been in the room for that one, I'm not sure if you can even call yourself a subscriber <laughs> if you didn't listen to that. <laughs> but you know exactly what we're doing here. And who is likely to be in the room? Mm-hmm. Shall we introduce him? I think we should. In the room with us is Reverend Dr. Kevin Adams, founding pastor, senior pastor of Granite Springs Church, author oh. of four books? Five books? Four. four. Yeah, yeah. 150, Gospel and a Handshake, Living Underwater, The Book That Understands You. Matt, you are Holy good. Wow, yeah, super fan. Yeah, super fan <laughs> wow. right here. So the rest of the podcast is just going to be me kind of fanboying <laughs> that we finally landed. We finally landed one of my favorite authors. No, Kevin, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. It's great to be with you guys, as always. And if you, I think we should give a little bit, in, in the event that you did skip the preview episode that dropped, uh, you know, what, a few weeks back or something, a couple weeks ago. Well, first of all, we want that listener to feel the appropriate amount of shame. Okay. Okay, just give them a beat. Okay. And now we'll feel yeah, they're, they're, they're absolved. Yeah, yeah, okay. uh, we are going to be talking about uh, Kevin's book, Living yeah. Underwater, and uh, we're going to be talking about baptism with the kind of the big question, why was I baptized? And you might be thinking either, you might be thinking one of several things when you hear that title. You might be thinking very, very assumptive of you. To, to think that I've been baptized. Right. You might be thinking that. You might be thinking, I already know why I was baptized. You might Ooh. be thinking that. You might also be thinking, I have no idea why I was baptized. Those are kind of the three main things that you can think. You could also think, <laughs> why were they baptized? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. Might be, uh, you might be curious about baptism, and uh, if you are, well, you're in the right place. So four questions, just like four books for Kevin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see, and four sections in this book. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what four that gospels. Four gospels. <laughs> four gospels. Wow. Four corners of the earth. <laughs> four presidents on Mount Rushmore. We're, we're flat oh, earth. Man. We're flat earthers on this podcast. There's four four corners of the earth. <laughs> oh. Yo. And there okay. goes the chance of Kevin sharing this episode. Yeah. Anyone. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. No, you guys don't know how Augustinian you are. He saw numbers everywhere and got super excited about them. <laughs> was he kind I of just, a math nerd? He was kind of a math nerd. He thought numbers were symbolic in lots of ways. So oh. when uh, they count the number of fish that the fishermen catch after oh, yeah. Jesus has put down your nets, he had all kinds of ideas about what that meant. And so I'm just saying you got some pretty, pretty august good company. company. Oh, nice. Yeah. So Kevin, com- you're you're married to a mathematician. Yes. So I she am. might you might be in on this already. But I do believe that numbers 
like math, not just numbers, but math and how numbers work together is an underrated part of creation. Oh, yeah. Um, I have to say, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some families around the table, they're all doctors, so they have doctor conversations. Some yeah. families, they're all musicians, they have musician mm -hmm. conversation. We talk about math sometimes. Oh, that's great. And I don't say a whole lot in terms of contributing, <laughs> but I try to hold a little bit of uh, weight in the room. Right. Yeah. Right. Math is beautiful. It really is. You look like, Matt, you were gonna hop in with oh, some yeah. math fact well i don't know not really i don't you were, you weren't gonna fact. talk about the golden ratio no. or the beauty of pi well, now i'm trying to think about my favorite thing about math i do remember eric chen in my trigonometry course he shouldn't have been in my trigonometry course in high school he was way beyond that course but i think he probably <laughs> had to take it so like would sometimes like correct the teacher or teach the teacher Ooh, brutal mr rod who was gracious in the midst of it but uh I just remember Eric Chen like really pr prided himself on how many decimal places he'd memorized pi. Oh yeah, to. it was. Yeah. It, I thing. can't remember it's exactly how many, yeah. but it was. Yeah, it felt unhealthy, frankly. <laughs> so, we all impressive. give our lives to something. Yeah, That's yeah. one thing Eric to give your life to. Man. I don't know what yeah, he's up right. to now, but God bless him. He he knew those pi oh, pi places. I love it. Yeah, pi places. Uh, let's. Should we roll into it? I think we should roll into it. I mean, yeah. first of all, we should check in, Kevin. Are you, you know, we're recording this pretty soon after launch. You're probably getting lots of questions, lots of conversations. Are you sick and tired? We, we hope you're not dragging yourself to another conversation <laughs> about your book. But, but how are you feeling about talking about this book? It's, it's fun to talk about it, actually. You know, the way book and publishing kind of worlds work is you have to have it all done almost a year in advance. Oh, wow, yeah. So I, f I really haven't looked a lot at the book in the last six to nine months. Oh, right. There was some proofing that needed to be done. There are mm. uh, 300 or so footnotes, as the reader will be, like, how, how could you even include that many? But most are referring to stories, right? So there's some work on that. But really, uh, it's all kind of fresh again. It's like, oh, there it is. Oh. So, so thanks for asking, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you, great. You mentioned at your Q&A that this was... Uh, this book's been sort of brewing for a long, like, like 10 years. Yeah. So books have been so. written, you've written books <laughs> while you <laughs> well, were writing I this book. I was thinking about this one. So this isn't, a, this isn't something you stumbled upon and just got curious about, but it's something you've been thinking about for a long time. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, the book, have we even, have we said the book title? On this uh, I think yet? we did, but I think we should say it again. We should say it again. We're going to dive into Living Underwater, Baptism as a Way of Life, mm -hmm. Chapter 1. And we're going to kind of, all of our episodes, as we explore uh, this question, why was I baptized, really exploring the, the topic of baptism in many ways, we're going to start with Aaron and I kind of offering some initial kind of standouts, so to speak, from the chapter for us. Then we're going to ask Kevin. It's great that you haven't kind of spent, you know, time. A ton of time <laughs> I don't have it memorized. Because right. you come to it a little <laughs> bit fresher, right? Yeah. We're really curious what stands out to Kevin as he looks back mm -hmm. on this chapter that he has, in fact, written. Uh, whether you remember it or not, you wrote it, right? Um, and then, then we're going to dive into and kind of use the chapter as a launch pad for some additional questions, and we'll, we'll see kind of where our conversation goes. So that's the idea. Great. So if you haven't read the chapter and you have the book, pause. <laughs> <laughs> we'll wait. We'll wait. We'll wait. All right. Would you like us to give that little ding to turn the page? Ding! <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but it might be worth reading the chapter beforehand. We're not going to give away everything in here. There's so much good stuff. Yeah. Aaron, maybe we can start with you. I'm just curious what stood out to you in reading chapter one, the script. Well, um, 
Yeah, what this book, what I think what you'll find readers is there, this book is full of stories, which I think is a great way to mm -hmm. have these conversations um, because we are, uh, you know, we're all people of, of stories. Um, but I, I will skip a little bit toward this. Um, one thing I, one thing that stuck with me about this chapter is the idea of I identity. And I know maybe you didn't want to go there right away. No, that's fine. It's okay. This, this is an open question. Yeah. It's, 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 it's about how we think of ourselves and, um, there are a million ways we can characterize who we are, our nationality and our race and our religion, our, our hobbies, uh, our familial roles. Mm -hmm. Um, but to think, and, and, uh, this is kind of an awakening for me, but to think the first thing I am is baptized. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Kevin makes no bones about this. We are the baptized first. Mm. Um, yeah. It's, and I just, you think about all the, all the things that jostle, uh, jostle and jockey. Is that a thing? jostle jockey so. for it our, should yeah. be for if it's not yeah right <clears throat> and to have baptism the idea of being baptized first is uh is new to me um this is i mean the whole book has given me a, a way to think about baptism differently than than how i did you know growing up as um you know i grew up in the church but i was baptized as an infant and yeah. uh that's just it was a and you address this later too but it's just like a ritual not necessarily a um a way to a way to live your whole life yeah how about you yeah i mean i mean it's hard not to be kind of taken immediately by the book it begins with a topless baptism <laughs> so, you know, and a story about really... a couple arguing about their sex life uh, i mean this is uh this is good writing yeah so it, you know if you didn't read chapter one when we except told you to pause and go read it <laughs> we know you'll want to now no i think i mean kevin you you just said like uh it's a book of stories in so many ways and you do get that immediately right like this and I mean, one of the things that I think is remarkable about the book is just how many different ways we, you get to witness baptism in the book, which I think is one of, it's kind of really rich strengths and they're all different. And, uh, yet you're able to kind of thread these together in really rich ways. I mean, the identity thing, I, I was just looking kind of at, you know, my little highlights as I looked at my chapter for what stood out, um, you say at one point, this is kind of talking about the script language, and then when you start borrowing Walter Brueggemann's language of the counterscript, uh, that each generation tells the next, from the 1967 Summer of Love to today's emerging adults, to, quote, find themselves, to create their own identities. But the Bible invites us to live one. And we'll get maybe more into that relationship between script and identity. I'm curious to hear more about it, but... Yeah, I mean, so much of the way you talk about baptism, I think it's it's kind of beginning here and then it builds in subsequent chapters is as gift and as something we receive, uh, which is, yeah, very, when you're talking about your experience there and also like pretty counter to my experience, not necessarily counter to like what people around me would have believed, right. but certainly counter to like the way it, the practice was embodied. Right. Um, so it felt like very much something I did or it was kind of a, a part of my acknowledgement or rather than here's a gift, here's an identity you receive. So, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, that stands out. I'm basically saying what you said, Aaron. Well, maybe we should just read the book into the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter one. <laughs> well, we didn't tell you. This is the audio book. <laughs> well, now we're talking. So now we're talking. Like uh, but Kevin, I mean, I'm really curious. I don't know how much, you know, 
I don't know what it's like to look back at a book you've written, whether you're like, yeah, 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 right, said that, yeah, yeah, that was, that, well, that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> but was there anything, as you looked at chapter one, that kind of stood out to you and kind of, I don't know whether it's fresh or like, oh, yeah, that's that's the heart of the thing. Oh, it's Well, first of all, let me say thanks again for uh, taking on this subject. Sure. Baptism is not the sexiest subject in the world. And when you write a book on baptism, you're aware that it's there's filled with potholes. And so mm. you put uh, your finger on it right away. What I was trying to do is tell stories so people could uh, imagine what a baptized life might look like, what a baptized identity might look like. And it's easy. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've been in different venues, and we've been talking about yeah. the book. And it's so easy. It's almost like there's default triggers in Christians that uh, baptism. Okay, now we're going to split between Infant baptism and adult baptism. Baptism, yeah. okay, now we're going to split between the Baptist and the Catholic. Baptism, okay, there's always going to be some split mm. or fork in the road where I was trying yeah. to tell stories that bring all those traditions together. That uh, Pauline, St. Paul idea, one Lord, one faith, one baptism is quite remarkable to think about. With 2,000 years of history now, it doesn't feel like one baptism at all. So just a yeah. big shout out to you guys for taking on the subject. I, I think it's pretty exciting. Uh, Aaron said you are kind of taken by this idea that you are baptized first. And I think, mic drop, aha, I don't yeah. see anything else because yeah. it's so deep. It's uh, one of those uh, ideas you would give your life to. Right. Uh, or at because least what that it, means or how it manifests itself is the, kind of the next question. It's so right? profound, yeah. yeah. And then passing it on to kids, um, teaching it fundamentally as this is what it means to be a Christian. It's pretty fun. Matt, this is shifting a little bit, but you asked what it's like to come back to a book after you've yeah. written it and then you read it. I just read an a authorized biography by Wynne Collier about Eugene Peterson, who wrote uh, a couple dozen books. And there was this one scene he recounts where um, Eugene is, you know, he sent the book off. He's same, same situation, gets it back in a year. He's in the kitchen. He's reading to his wife, Jan. He's like, Jan! this is pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. And he's quoting himself to his wife, Jan, and she, he's all excited about, this is so great. This is so great. Jan's a little less impressed by Gene, but uh, yeah, it's, it's all of that, right? You read it and you think, oh, that's kind of interesting. And you read it and you think, oh, I hope that, I mean, honestly, you hope it helps at people and makes a difference. Yeah. And you hope people read it, actually. Um, yeah. So it's, it's a lot of things. Can I, I wonder if I can ask kind of a, maybe a broader question. So I'm thinking about folks who are listening who may have all kinds of different, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but all kinds of different baptism experiences and thoughts yeah. on how it should be done and when it should be done. What's the most correct <laughs> well, that did, that did, that that we're didn't take long. We're looking to wrap up the episode. So just, uh... Eight minutes and we're done. That's a wrap, people. What could, what, the, what what's the most inviting way mm. to draw people into this conversation? Do you think? If yeah, there is one, yeah. I th well, I think there's a number of ways. I think story. Uh, I tip my hand on this, is mm -hmm. the way in, because I think it captures our imagination and it gives us room for both uh, the ancient deep practices of baptism and the individual local expression. And there's uh, often a kind of a dance in terms of, I think a, a good pastor, a good church leader is kind of informed about what's happened before, but also keenly aware of what's happening around them. And those things um, are both part of the conversation. I think baptism is like that. 
um, and just in terms of stories, because once the stories pile up, you're like, oh, it's not just one thing. Mm, right. It's not uh, have to prescribed. Here's the exact way it has to happen. But there's a kind of a imagination. There's a kind of a profound sense of leaving one life and going to the next. There's a profound sense of belonging is what I would hope you'd experience mm. um, to both the local church and the global church and the historic church and mm. Jesus himself, right? There's a belonging. Um, mm. But I, I think a place where I would start after having uh, said some options, like this, the story I keep coming back to is Martin Luther, this mm. uh, kind of uh, untamed reformer who never was short of opinions, but he kept coming back to his baptism and he said, uh, every day I sprinkle myself with water and I say, Martin, you are baptized. <laughs> and that has a profound effect. So think of the things like he was tried for um, being a heretic. He was uh, someone who was whisked away by a prince and then wrote a German translation of the New Testament that had never been done before uh, as a model for other, you know, original language, not original language, but a, a local languages. Mm -hmm. um, it affected how... He, he thought about marriage, it affected how he thought about politics, everything. So in that one Martin Luther story, I think, is an invitation to say, what would it be like for me, for you, to say, every morning I get up and say, I am baptized. Mm. What does that mean today? What does it mean if I'm a dad or mom? What does it mean if I'm an educator? Uh, what does it mean if I'm retired? That kind of thing. So that's, right. that's probably mm. a place I'd start and maybe come back to at the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'm curious. Oh, speaking of the end, what you're saying makes me think of one of the, like, kind of the landing places of this chapter. So maybe we can start at yeah. the end and work our way back. Sure. Uh, and kind of, you titled this chapter The Script, uh, and you, you use this as kind of a key image in this chapter, talking about that bapt everyone has a script. That's one, one of your lines on page 18. Everyone has a script, and our script is dictated by all kinds of things, right? Sometimes it's familial expectations. You talk about just literally our circumstances. Uh, if you're born in the slums of Mumbai, you have right. a certain kind of script assigned to your life. Just kind by of a destiny, a des typically. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And mm. then you talk about baptism, kind of offering us a different script, what Brueggemann and what you pick up as, as a counterscript. Well, one of the things I noticed at the end of the chapter was you start talking and you start using language of surprise, which I think is really interesting because script to me feels like oh, it's yeah. scripted out. Like, oh, here's, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's where it's going. But you make this, like, I think really, uh, I think it's kind of an ingenious move, actually, to, to start talking about the ways that the script surprises us. So God's counterscript often surprises us with its beauty. At other times, it surprises us with its ragged and disjointed ways. Whenever we get too organized or too tidy, whenever we consolidate all of God's baptismal goodness in the back of a red hymnal, whenever we make God predictable or domesticated, he surprises us by telling us to wash in a dirty river or to adopt a child from another continent or to make our lifelong love for baseball secondary or to send us to a hippie to turn the first page of the counterscript. Uh, that's a paragraph from the end of the chapter alluding to all these stories you've told, right? Um, right. But I wondered too, as you talked about this, the, the, like, the significance of story, here this idea of surprise felt like that's another way in. Like one of the things about the stories is that they, it seems like they begin to surprise us with like, oh, this this is baptism. Right. And this is baptism. And huh, this is also <laughs> baptism. Um, I, I wonder, I wonder what you guys think about like also part of kind of the unpredictability of God, even as we're talking about this idea of the script, actually it can be an inviting way in because right. our own stories always have kind of 
no, no two stories look alike, right? But right. what do you guys think about the idea of surprise in in God's counterscript, so to speak? As as this going to your original question, as potentially a way in. Uh, my, I, I'm only answering because Kevin and Matt looked at me, even though that <laughs> question was probably for the expert who wrote the book. But I I I see a lot of um, it's very it's a very gospel. Yeah. Uh, idea right so mm. i mean this that's exactly what jesus did when all the all the pious folks uh and all the rule following folks got kind of turned upside down um so to me it's it's very it, i mean it's very consistent with what you commit to doing when you follow christ mm-hmm. you sign it's, up for the surprise you sign up for the surprise i mean and you um you're sort of uh, living counter to the expectations of the world around you. See, that's why we looked at you, Aaron. That's, that's really, it's really beautiful. I don't really have a lot to add. Uh, my one of my favorite people on the planet is a guy named Dale Cooper, chaplain of Calvin University for a long time. And mm-hmm. one of Dale's favorite sayings is, "God's other name is surprise." Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful way to say. You know, when we say baptism is a script, what we're saying is. Uh, at the beginning of the script, God holds us in his hands of grace. At the end of the script, God holds us in his hands of grace. And all along the way, our trust and reliance is that he holds us in his hands of grace. Before we be- went live, we were talking about a friend, someone we love, who suddenly has health issues. Well, she hasn't had health issues at all her whole life. And mm-hmm. she's not 20. And she's, mm-hmm. you know, had a few seasons of life. But suddenly she does, but the baptismal promise is she is in the hands of God right now. And that's no cliche kind of thing. That's just really a profound way to live. So it doesn't, uh, her life isn't fundamentally about finding the right pill or, uh, you know, um, going on 20 last vacations, you know, over the next 20 months or whatever. Um, And we're praying for a healing, believing that could uh, and will happen. But she's, her script, this is a surprise she didn't ask for. I, I mm. don't say this glibly, having had my own surprise a couple years ago. Yeah, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, the surprise is the grace, the wonder, the connections. And that's why all the stories, right? Because the stories keep us from, we, we want to be tidy. I come from a tradition of church and graduated from a seminary where I think we could have all been engineers, right? Everything mm-hmm. organized. We're going to build a bridge. We know how to build a bridge. We build bridges. It's what we do. We're organized here. And then God throws all these curves. And um, yeah, it's it's both and, isn't it? It's both uh, the covenantal tried and true promises of God, but it's the unique way they come to uh, life in us. And that's why so many stories, right? Yeah, As a yeah. way to say, hey, uh, this isn't about us having all the answers. This is about us entering into this life that has a particular beginning, middle, and end. Mm. Hmm. Stories okay. within stories, like yeah, right? yeah, exactly. So beautifully said. You're talking about the big story um, that that's that we're living out right in our own lives, but then um, all the stories that make up that story. Yeah, some we choose to kind of participate in, like yeah. like here we are. We all chose to be here right now today. Yeah. Our listeners chose to listen. A very wise choice, we think. <laughs> But there's a lot that there's some things that could happen today or this week or this month or year where we didn't choose. Some of those will be our great delight. Some will kind of stir fear in us. But we come back with Luther to say, but I am baptized. Mm, And what does that mean? Yeah. Hmm. 
I'd love to dive a little bit more into like the, the image of script and like this, I think you hopefully kind of bring, bring us into it and um, you talk about kind of the biblical script too, as kind of the script that we're talking about. Um, and maybe you'll just have to forgive like how concrete my mind tends to get, but I think we're all West Wing fans in the room. Uh, yeah, there's mm -hmm. nodding and I know from <clears throat> Kevin. Uh, mm -hmm. So, but one of the fascinating things about that show is how scripted it is. So if you like listen to any behind the scenes stuff, like if there would be sort of a word that someone thought was incorrect or out of order, uh, the protocol on that show was not just to fix it because that was verboten. You had to go and send down to Aaron Sorkin, the writer to say, we think there might be a mistake. And nine times out of 10, he would say, no, that's exactly the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> right. In other words, like right. the script was like, Every, everything was there. Everything that you were supposed to do was sort of on the page, and your job as an actor was to deliver the page, not to come up with your own little inventive ideas or anything like that. Um, and so when I thought, start thinking of a script, when I initially kind of read that, this is the way I kind of, for whatever reason, thinking in terms of like the world of acting, where your scenes are blocked out and it's, it's all kind of given right. to you. But you're talking about script in a, in a different way, I think, than that. I think <laughs> so maybe maybe you can help me tease out that metaphor maybe you can help me tease out that metaphor a, a little bit more well first of all we should say that the writer of west wing should get busy and write a new show because uh, <laughs> yeah. he cannot write enough shows uh it's quite quite marvelous i come back to that show and uh and i just had a friend who's in the leadership position quote an episode of a show oh. the supremes where there's two supreme court justices anyway a little bit west wing nerd there yeah, it's it's both alike and different, I think, living the Christian life, because mm. God has a unique script for all of us, and he doesn't give us our lines ahead of time, <laughs> yeah. right? He gives us some promises. Well, that's not completely true. I guess he gives us his promises. He gives us his psalms, so we can sing within the script. We can sing with others who have lived the script, who have died by the script, who have come alive by the script. Um, the Reformers thought that um, this element of a classic worship service where you do a call to confession, words of assurance, and then assurance of pardon was a way to say, hey, you're baptized. You're probably guilty, but you're forgiven, and now go uh, be a new person. So that's like a, a tried and true piece of the script, but how each particular person in the room would live that way, how they would, you know, what particular sins they needed to confess. Some, of course, are corporate and they're common to all of us, but some are particular to each person. So I think it's a bit, we like to use the word dance. We try to get the word dance in any yeah, episode yeah. we're recording together. <laughs> so it's a dance, I think, between God's big script and then the, the places, the, the unique circumstances he gives us, because we believe we're held in his hands. But then uh, there's a kind of an interactive play between how we live and how we choose and how we respond to the the good grace of God, yeah. It's super interesting. I mean, one of the things uh, that I hear in what you're saying, too, is, uh, or one of the ways that this script calls us into a unique place that maybe our culture might invite us, again, going back to that language of kind of we're told to find ourselves, is it's actually a, a community script. Right. So it's not just, here's the script for Matt, here's the script for Aaron, like you're saying, God doesn't give us those lines ahead of time, but he gives us a script as people together. Right. Uh, which... Yeah, I need to think more about that, but I find that kind of fascinating that we're all 
we're all given the same script in the in some sense. We're given the same promises. We're yeah, so that's so wa- same rhythms. wonderfully true, isn't it? And that's where, again, people divide. Baptism tends to divide people. As someone who's written a book on baptism, <laughs> I get to hear those stories a lot. Yeah. But really, the opportunity is to come together, as you just said, Matt. So we have this script in common. We have this reliance in common. We have this faith in common. We, uh, and we get to live together. And in some ways, we're, what we're doing is making something, uh, living a life or making reality that's kind of uniquely us. But in many, many other ways, we are participating with those who have gone before and those who mm-hmm. will go behind and the one who guides all of that, right? So... Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting how that plays together. Yeah. One story I liked from chapter 1 is um we were talking about when you and your wife Jerry were were starting Grant Springs Church and uh folks are telling you to go to a rough neighborhood and and that uh people, you know, people in the suburbs uh weren't oh, really yeah. into church, right? Mm-hmm. Um so, so you got you got kind of this warning from a city employee. Well, like this isn't you're not going to have any success here. <clears throat> and then you say, but despite the warning from that dour city employee, we ser- soon learned from conversations and backyard neighborhood barbecues that it doesn't really matter what kind of designer life people put together for themselves or their family. Something always ruins it, and then they <laughs> look for a new script. Mm. Um. That's all. I just like that part. Yeah, well, thank <laughs> but I think it's a good, maybe a, maybe it's a good way to to kick off a conversation about baptism and to recognize that um, how easily our identities can be kind of messed up by circumstances, right. changes, or how often we don't even think about uh, our identities. We're just so in the script mm. that we've been handed. We're so in the suburban life with two point three kids and two shiny cars outside mm. and two nice cars. Uh, or, or a nice house where uh, we drive by, though, and then as you live here for 10 years and 20 years and 30 years, you realize, yeah, those cars are uh, 90% uh, indebted for. Mm, uh, right. The house has all these wonderful rooms, and people hide in those rooms so they don't have to talk to each other because they can't stand to be in the same room together. Mm, yeah. And not just to go dark with all those possibilities, but the stories we could tell yeah. as pastoral staff. Um, And when you talk to someone else who's um, a pastor or a church leader or just a wise listening person, they'll say, yeah, I know, I know about uh, the difficulties of living this fake script. So why don't you come and live a script where it's not all about you building your own life that, you know, it's beyond you to manage. That that ties in with one of my questions, because I was thinking about, okay, how do we talk about and why, well, to put it provocatively, like, why would I be attracted to a script beyond me <laughs> oh yeah like i like there's something very attractive about a script that i know i can attain that feel that is tailored to my culture my life my customs you know when you talk about the you know 2.3 kids two cars nice house i'm like yeah sounds pretty good like and tell yeah, me right. exactly what i need to do right. i think we're so often told like i mean if you think about our school experience right we're told what we need to do and and then I'm a you rule, do I'm it. a rule follower, so it's very helpful yeah. for me to like have someone <laughs> saying, okay, take these classes and then do honors here and AP here and take this test. And then, like, I think, not, not for everyone, but for certain personality types, and I'll raise my hand here, like, there's really comfort in that script. But, right. but you really, I mean, the script that you're talking is, is like, explosively big. <laughs> like, it's, it's huge. Right. It's the biblical script. You, you kind of point to N.T. Wright, who talks about 
this script begins in the waters of creation in the book of Genesis and carries us all the way to the final end of things. I'm like, mm. that thing is huge. Like, what? <laughs> Cosmic, literally. Like, well, shouldn't I want kind of my cozy, nice, comfy script that, that fits me? I'm curious what you guys what you guys think or what you, what you'd say to that that rule following. Give me give me the steps to do. Uh, yeah, part of my heart. Well, I I think maybe it's it's. Uh, yeah, I I mean similarly to I mean, it just. Because because someone you know someone's gonna get sick or they're gonna have some financial mm. problem or um, you know an employment issue or some other sort of um, yeah disaster could befall that perfect script so yeah that it I I think the, maybe the main issue is that script that we create for ourselves if we're not rooted in a, in a baptismal identity is destined to sort of fail. Um, fall apart yeah that would be my i think that's exactly right that's exactly right and that's it's it's most common when someone comes to the church for the first time uh now it's almost to the point where i'm thinking about this why why are you here not that it's bad but almost always someone's here because something is happening that is beyond their control Mm. or beyond their capacity to deal with it it could be Mm. something good like they just got married and you think oh this is too big to navigate by myself. Not everybody thinks that way, but they could think that way. They could have a child and they could say, be saying, all my life, I just realized I'm called to do things now that are beyond me, just in terms of self-sacrifice and reorienting my life. Yeah. I've had parents start coming when their kids are in uh, grade school because their kids are asking questions and they think, I, I don't want to answer these questions alone. And then, of course, there's uninvited unwanted changes that happened to our script were suddenly like we there was someone who had uh, cancer of a particular kind and suddenly they're at church and we don't shame people we don't say well where were you you know three months ago when you were healthy you were skiing that's what you were doing well it's not like that right i mean uh we're, we we listen better what does c.s lewis say got pain is god's megaphone mm-hmm. through which he speaks to a deaf world so that's just one way mm-hmm. we're kind of we realize the uh the hollowness of our script. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing, none of that takes away from all, you want to go to the practices, Matt. You want to say, I, here's some rules to follow. Here's right. some yeah, yeah. comfort I can find. And so we'd turn you to the Psalms, right? Big surprise. <laughs> sure, yeah. And we'd say, start memorizing them. And that's its own script, right? Begins Psalm 1, right? Two, two ways, two ways to live, ends with all. Psalm 150, this great celebration, but in between mm. is every turn imaginable. And that is sort of a sample script for God's script of baptism, I think. Those, one way to say it, say it might be uh, the Psalms are the s- baptism songs that we sing, that God teaches us to sing as we're living our baptism, right? I mean, you got, you got another one of my questions, which was kind of practically, you talk about rejecting the false scripts, right? Um, which I think that can look quite concrete. I felt like that, but one of my questions was practically like, what does it look like to start living out our baptism? I think one of, one of the things or the challenges for me as I come to the book is wrapping my mind around this, this ongoing sense of baptism, I think, um, which I'm not sure why that's like just hard for me sure. to grasp, but seeing it as more than an event. Yeah. 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 Which I, 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 I find incredibly rich. I when I read you, I'm like yes, yes, yes. And then I'm like, okay, how do I do this? What, is this? what does this mean? Like, uh, you know. So I don't know if any uh, any other reader or listener is 
is with me. But like that's one of the, oh, sure. the, the growth areas I feel this book kind of pulling and tugging on, which yeah. I think is intentional. Um, maybe but it may maybe. come out of <laughs> yeah. it may come out of practical experience, right, right where yeah, you live. Yeah. yeah, maybe. But then I'm I'm like, okay, yeah. What does this begin to look like? And yeah, it's for you to point to the Psalms. I think is really kind of interesting that these become the, the songs we sing as baptized people like that that's one way that we yeah, about our baptism. One, one way, way that we begin to live into this script i wonder if there's any other ways i mean aaron too if there's anything that comes to your your mind uh well i i, I would switch i would switch focus slightly because what you reminded me of is a question that i have like in like a general sacramental question is that i find it interesting that we are, and I think I think you advocate for this, Kevin. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but like, um, your, your baptism is your baptism, and there are folks who like, oh, I want to refresh that um, experience, or I didn't do it the way I wanted to, or I'm. You talk in a later chapter. No, I'm, now I'm really oh, committed. Yeah. Now I really now now that I know what oh, I'm doing, yeah, I want to be baptized. Yeah, yeah. So there's that kind of tension like i think we'll talk about that maybe later but um i think about the sacrament of communion and how that's not something we do once but that's something that we i mean here at granite springs we do on a weekly basis to remind ourselves sort of um again with some dying and rising in christ imagery again right. I'm, I'm going ahead in chapters but um um I don't know if I have a question about that. It's just an <laughs> observation. Um, so maybe maybe the question is, how, we live in this, um, we live as baptized people versus how we live as people who need constant forgiveness. Say, say more about that distinction. Um, well, I don't know what the distinction <laughs> really is, maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe one way to think about it uh, could be that Communion is a living out Eucharist. It's a living out of our baptism. So we do receive forgiveness every single time. We do receive, in some ways, we don't speak it exactly, but it's in the liturgy in certain ways, God's baptismal promise. Because of Jesus, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. Because of him, despite the sins you've done this week or this month or this year, you are forgiven and you are affirmed in your love. So you, when you simply say, uh, the the body of Christ for you and the blood of Christ for you. And when you say, thanks be to God, you are saying, thank you for this reminder of my baptism in, mm. in certain ways, right? And there are other practices that could stir baptism. Like if the script uh, in the suburbs is uh, to have a, a nice house and nice cars and a nice school and uh, nice university degrees and nice vacations, all that kind of stuff, then the counter script is to say, maybe, yeah, like I wouldn't begrudge anybody going on vacation. I'm a big fan of vacations. <laughs> uh, maybe um, I don't begrudge anybody a car. I have a Subaru and I, I like it quite a bit, especially when it snows, you know, maybe. But maybe also God's calling you to radical generosity of a kind, so, mm. so much so that your accountant looks at it and says, so are you nuts now? Mm. Are you nuts? That's living the counterscript. That's just one small way to say, it's not about me. It's not about me building my kingdom or becoming a millionaire before I'm 40, or sending my kids on a certain trajectory. Um, yeah, there's just different expressions, but yeah. communion's obviously a big one, and yeah. uh, generosity might be kind of more modest and yet deeply Christian practice, which is a way to live out your baptism, yeah. right? And I mean, all these things, it seems like one of the things you said earlier, Kevin, which I was struck by is, is 
Uh, there is, you, we talk about this biblical script, which is a story. It has a beginning. It has right. kind of a, a glorious ongoing end in some sense. Uh, but there's also a sense in which there's a script. Um, there's, a, there's sort of the daily script. And that's yeah. going back to Luther, yeah. right? I am baptized. And you, and you also said earlier in our conversation, sort of the script is that we are held by the grace of God. Um, and it just strikes me that uh, these these practices are enabled, right? Baptism is the is the is the font, so to speak. It's the foundation of, like, you're generous because you're held by the grace of God. Because you believe God's grace is bigger than you spending right. all your money on yourself. Exactly. Yeah, and, right. And we sing the Psalms because we are held by the grace of God, and we do these things. So the ways that those that the script then invites us, I mean, it's different than the West Wing. I think of it more as like shows where sort of. Uh, there's a lot more improv, so to speak, mm-hmm. that the, like, the actors are invited into. And that's uh, in that, you know, that's the, the writer's kind of honoring of the actor, so to speak, is OK. Like, here, here's where the, the scene has to go. Here's the key lines that have to be said, you know, but but there's there's room for play. And you're, you're living out sort of the character. You're living out the identity, right, that's been given to you right. uh, to, to return to kind of that that actor analogy. What would we say to a person who has not been baptized and but is in like interested? Why mm. what what if a person is saying, "Well, I'm you know, I'm a person of faith. I'm living that faith out." I'm or maybe even I'm just kind of figuring it out. What is important about them being baptized? Is it keeping them from eternal life to not be baptized? I mean, that this is one of those sort of one-on-one questions, but it might be interesting. It might go somewhere interesting. I'm not sure. Um, but what would you say to those person that that unbaptized, curious person? Yeah, I think um, there there are schools of thought. You're on to something that say if you're not baptized, uh, there's no heaven for you. There's no glorious. Right. Uh, new heaven and new earth. We, of course, don't believe that because if it's grace, it's grace. But baptism, what I'd say is, uh, if it depends on where they're at, but if they are a believer saying, I am a Christian, I am following, I would say, well, the church of all times and places would say baptism is your first act of obedience. Hmm. It's, uh, it's symbolic. Yes, I think it's more than symbolism. It's a sign and a seal. It's more than that even. But it's your way of saying, I have died with Christ, and I'm rising with Christ. I am uh, committing myself. We'll talk about this in the later sections, but it's turning your back on one life, so to speak, in one set of behaviors, and it's uh, coming to life. So in the early church, you would go into a baptismal pool. This was after Christians. It was legal to be a Christian again. They would build uh, uh, pools, baptismal pools, which you would step into, and then you would step out of after your baptism. You'd be fully immersed. And you get anointed and you have new clo- new anointing and new clothes as a way to say, this is now symbolizes, this is the reality of your new life in Christ. So I would say, I mean, it's, it's a bit like the, the script in the rehearsed lines. It's because Christianity is a bit like West Wing. It's like, this, this is how we do, this is how we do yeah. the script. Like uh, some people say, well, our family doesn't drink or our family doesn't smoke or our family doesn't believe in marriage or our family doesn't fill in the blanks. Well, our family does believe in baptism. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I'd say it. Mm. And this is a family that's inviting you. 
we're not going to belittle you or put you in a corner or ignore you until you do it. That's not, there's no shame, but it's an invitation, right? So why don't, how could, it's, um, I have a, one of my favorite professors was a guy named Louis Smeeds. And Lou used to talk about the difference between the ought of obligation and the ought of opportunity. I think sometimes people frame baptism as the ought of obligation. You must be baptized. It must be on the eighth day or you are in big trouble and you don't believe in Jesus. But what if it's the ought of opportunity? Mm. It's like, wouldn't you want to live your whole life baptized? (laughs) And wouldn't you want your kids to know, hey, you're in, you're Mm. in, you belong. Uh, Even when you screw up in junior high, you're still in, right? Anyway, that's that's how I begin to talk about it. Depends on the person, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think that's so helpful. I mean, that's, I think even this first chapter is inviting us into to see our scripts will fail and when they do wouldn't you want yeah to be a part of a big a different script a bigger script like at some point aren't you glad it doesn't all depend on you right exactly there's something deeply inviting in that Hmm. uh i find that that might be an excellent place to end for for today what do you think yeah i agree i think uh I think that this is perfect place maybe to, to land the plane, so to speak. Next time, we're going to be talking a little bit, well, we're going to continue in the book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to be uh, starting to explore what Kevin just alluded to, actually, in his answer to that last question. Look at that. He's a professional. <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to be talking about chapter four, which is renouncing evil. Yeah, but listeners, don't skip chapters two and three. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These That's... are these. We could have picked any chapter, really, but we're we went we went with four. So, um, so catch up. Two and three are also really good. Two and three are good, and uh, get get up uh, through chapter four, and and you'll be pre enlightened before <laughs> the next episode. Great. Um, well, thank you so much, Kevin. It's great to be with you guys. For always us today. Um, so, listeners, until next time. I'm Aaron. I'm Matt. I'm Kevin. Thanks for being curious with us. Mm-hmm.